Welcome to Season 6 of the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. I'm Gary. And I'm Sandra. And together, we are the Cocktail Lovers. We've been exploring the cocktail world for 15 years, sharing what we discover in our print and digital magazine, on our website, and all kinds of fun places. But this is where we're talking about all things cocktail. We're talking about the recipes, products, books, bars, and people. So, let's find out what's in this week's episode. There's something of a London vibe in this week's episode. Even as we speak, London Cocktail Week is kicking off. And it promises to be bigger and better than ever. We'll be talking to the two legends that make the magic happen, Hannah Sharman Cox and Siobhan Payne. We're opening up London Essence Mixers and, from South London, Jensen's Old Tom Gin. Our book focuses on the special relationship between the capital city and its favourite spirit in London Gin, The Gin Craze by Thea Bennett. As for our bar, or bars, they may have dropped London from their name, but the Cocktail Club was born in the city and now has venues across the capital and beyond. But first, we are the cocktail lovers, so let's make ourselves a cocktail. London, you say? London. London. Yes, so let's do a London calling cocktail. This Ooh. is a modern classic. And it was created around 2002 by a bartender called Chris Jepson. And he was working at Milk and Honey at the time. But actually, I, was... I remember. Do you? Do I you remember do. him? I remember that drink at Milk and Honey. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I can do it justice. Yeah. Right. What goes London into this calling. London calling is London dry gin, 45 mils per serve, mm-hmm. which we have. We're using Beef Eater, which is a lovely London dry. We Good. I see what you did there. Keeping it real here. The next ingredient is not so London. It's um, a Fino Sherry. Mm-hmm. This one we have is Osborne. It's from an amazing trip I did earlier this year in Barcelona. So we'll talk about that in another episode. Yeah. But this is Osborne Fino Sherry. So 15 mil per serve. I love Fino Sherry. Me anyway. too. So that's 30 yeah. mils. I'm being very, very careful with my measures here. Quite quite right. And then we have 15 mils per serve of lemon juice. That's nice. 30 mils. Okay. And then another 15. I'm just giving this a shake because I've just made a simple syrup. Two Is to one. Two I've to one. Yeah. Okay. A little two bit sweeter. Two parts sugar. Yeah. One part water. But you could I'm gasping try. over here. But You're but, always yeah. gasping, <laughs> truth be known. So that's 15 mil per serve of sugar syrup. Yeah. And that's it. So we've got gin, sherry, lemon juice, sugar syrup. Now we have <laughs> Get, the ice. Getting your ice going in the old shaker, shaker there. Lots mm-hmm. of ice. Mm-hmm. Glasses are chilling always. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can, I can ver- verify Vouch for that. Oh, my Lord. Stop, stop. What a calamity. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't had anything to drink in case anyone's wondering. That was literally the the spoon. What I do need, could you just quickly, there's some orange bitters there. If you just get some orange bitters. And we do two dashes per serve. 
I'm always fascinated by bitters because it's, I'm always tempted to put in too much of bitters because they're so wee, aren't they? But, um, but I think that's important to, to follow the recipe. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So here, good shaking. Put your serious shaker face on. Yeah, and the shaker has got nice and frosted, which is always the sign to let you know that you've done it right. Or right. enough rather than right, because okay. you can do it any way you want. But there you go. Right. Yeah. And now, in our Nick and Nora's. Yeah, we like the knock, knock and knicker. Oh, my right, God, Nick what is wrong with us today? Goodness Nick say. and Nora glasses. Blimey, I think we're just getting excited because it's London Cocktail Week. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right, actually. And well, you can garnish gorgeous. with a grapefruit twist. Oh. Okay, I've let's do a little it, cheers to London and London Cocktail Week and all cheers. things London and cocktail. Here's to London. Oh, Very fantastic. Nice. This week I'm opening up a bottle of Jensen's London Distilled Old Tom Gin. And it is it's distilled in Bermondsey, I think. You, you've jumped ahead there but you're abs- you're absolutely <laughs> sorry <right>. no, no, <laughs> no you're right all i was going to say uh, by way of a wee preamble is i think it's fair to say that jensen's christian jensen was pretty much you know at the forefront of that sort of gin revival yes mm. i remember right in our early days and we'd go down to borough market yeah yeah and we that's where we first tried some was it called Bermondsey gin, though. I think it might have been, actually. Mm. Yeah. But it was round about 2005. I think that's, you know, when when it was founded. And I think that's when you're referring to when we probably first Mm. tried it. Mm. Um, As I say, Christian Jensen, he made it his mission. He's not from a drinks background. He's from an IT background. But he discovered all these lovely gins, apparently, in Tokyo about 20-odd years ago. And when he came back to the UK, he made it his mission to sort of research old recipes and all of this sort of thing to try and recreate this sort of gin that he had discovered in Tokyo, which was a very old gin, apparently. What is it about people in finance and banking that decide to go into gins? It's really quite extraordinary. Yeah, there are a lot of people from those backgrounds. And, and he is, as I say, at the forefront of it. As I say, he's very much about using traditional recipes, traditional botanicals. So he's not claiming to, you know, have reinvented the wheel. Mm. As I say, he's got a he's got a, a a London dry gin, or certainly a dry gin. But I've decided to go for the Old Tom purely because I really like Old Tom gin. Okay, that's a pretty good reason. Mm. Yeah. Also, I think um, that's what I'm pouring it. The bottle. I've always liked this bottle. This sort of let's not describe that. How would you describe that? Well, for a start, it's frosted, mm. but it also it's 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 got that sort of shape, you know, in a beef eater style, which yes. looks like a London yeah. brick almost. Yes. Yeah. But this is slimmer, lovely, and that lovely frost in around it. it's beautiful really it nice, nice. very simple very very good. simple and i think it's the bottle as far as i can remember it hasn't ever changed i think they tweaked the label mm. a few years ago because it's now got we image little engraving of london uh, of tower bridge right. on it, which is nice mm. so it's a beautiful bottle i've poured some over poured some over i poured some and i'm passing it over right let's have a little nose mm-hmm. 
That's yeah. lovely. It's really nice because the thing that I like about old Tom Jones mm. is that texture. Yes. You get that thickness. It's almost not unctuous, not chewy, but it's definitely thicker and, and much more textural than a normal gin, actually. Yeah, it's, it's, what, what, what are you getting on the nose? Because neither of us yeah. mentioned that. Well, the two things that strike me, one is that there is a uh, there's definitely juniper there but it's not it's not a dry it's not a london mm. dry so it's not juniper forward but it's there mm. also to me i it kind of getting like pine you know that christmas mm. tree smell mm. yeah it's really fresh yeah yeah it's very like nice that. so yes yeah, so what about taste the taste is very much yes it's gin but as you say it's not as heavy on the juniper so there's much more roundness to to the whole taste experience as well which is rather lovely it is and i, I and i also like that there is this element of sweetness which isn't mm. just to qualify that it's not saying it is sweet it's not it isn't no it's, but it, you know as as opposed to a dry gin it's got an element of sweetness and i think it's worth saying because this recipe as I said earlier, it's from an original recipe from the 1840s. Mm. So a real original. It's quite spicy. Gin. Yeah. And it they go to great pains to point out it's not in any way artificial sweetness that's right. been added. It is all the sweetness comes from the botanicals, which mm. is really do you Do you know what the botanicals are? I haven't off the top of my head. I right. did actually have a look. I haven't. They're not on the bottle. Right. But um, I think they've kind of, as I say, juniper clearly is in there. Um, I, t- sorry, I can't answer that. No, no. but as, um, as I said, it's got that lovely, there is a hint of spice at the yeah. at the end, the lovely finish that you get. It's lovely and tingly and quite, but gently spiced. So, you know, that's why I wanted to know yeah, if, yeah. They, what, if they'd mentioned well, what the, the botanicals should, were. Obviously, I should look into No, that. no, 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 yeah. it's fine. They're yeah. there to be discovered, but, uh, but The important thing is it tastes, I think, delicious. Delicious. Mm. Um, and I think you, you're you nodding, so I think you agree. So that is, it's also, you said about the mouthful, it's really nice. It's 43%. Right. As you also said at the beginning, it's made in Bermondsey in southeast London, so very much a London gin, a London product. And in terms of serves, on their website, it's quite minimal. Interestingly, they talk about the dry gin as mixing with rose lemonade. But with this, which is slightly sweeter, they talk about mixing this with tonic. And I think I can certainly see that work mm. in the dryness of the tonic with mm. the slight sweetness. But I would, my, as you know, one of my favourite drinks, I think our favourite drinks is Martinez. And this would absolutely be mm. right in there in a martinez so that is jensen's london distilled old tom gin and it retails at 30 pounds for a 70 cl bottle so this week i'm going a little bit rogue oh hello stand back everyone <laughs> no I'm, I'm going for actual mixers so we've had things like rtds which yeah, are ready, ready to, to drinks drink. we've had spirits we've had Lots all sorts of, of different things but we haven't actually had mixers no, yet or focused on mixers. No. And the reason, first of all, for this is because of the name. Which These is? are called the London Essence Co. Mm-hmm. mixers. And in particular, we're zoning in on their crafted sodas. So we've got a beautiful box here of four sodas. Do you want to, I'll pass that over first yeah. of all, so you That's can nice, describe. Nice presentation box. Yes. Yeah. yes. Also, I think the thing that jumps out at me is, there's, as you said, there's four in here. I think the bottles are 
they've sort of elevated the uh, the mix again with the design of their well there's bottles. a story yeah. about that i sure. mean not only is it called the london essence co it's not just there for you know for jokes or just mm. to have as a, a name of a particular brand they've taken their inspiration from fragrance so ah, well, yes makes sense. yes yeah. exactly so yeah. it's it's actually one of the incubation brands from Britvic. So yes, everybody knows Britvic Tonics, but these are actually one of the new brands that has come out of that. So they're produced by Wisehead Productions. And now the London Essence Company is one of the fastest growing mixer companies in, in Great Britain. But right back in the day to the Britvic roots. Yeah. It was established on the banks of the Thames in 1896 and London Essence Company has started in 2016. But it's all based on layering flavours, yeah. as in the way that you do perfumes. Yeah. You know? And I think, sorry, also on that, I didn't actually sort of say enough about the bottle. I said, oh, it's beautiful. But it's, you wouldn't say, oh, it's like a perfume bottle. But there's an element of that. It's sort of, it's a 200 ml yeah 200 right? yes. um, and it's very sort of slim elegant it's got a little bit of that nice that lovely ridging yes like. the label is very sort of uh, understated typography so i can see again that nod towards the sort of world of fragrance mm. and also fragrance and flavors i would yeah. say this right. one is um they call it delicate london ginger ale yeah and then we have the white peach and jasmine crafted soda and then there's the pineapple roasted pineapple this is one of my favorites and it's also something that you can use with rum you can use with whiskey and it works so well it takes your drink in so many different directions are you going to crack one open yeah which one would you like to go for i really would be like to be surprised okay well let's go with my favorite which is roasted pineapple okay and we're not going to have it with the spirit. We're just going no. to try it as is. Well, because I it, th- mm, no, I, was going to say, I think that's really important because, as you said when you were starting, it's something that doesn't always get front and centre. And it's nice to shine a little bit of light on the craftsmanship. And also, you know, like it this. is about that thing where you can have some non-alk drinks as yeah, well. So totally. this could you could just have the soda on its own. Well, mm. we'll see. Or you use it as a mixer. Oh, that really... Isn't that it a lovely like, aroma? That smells really fresh and natural. Really. Yeah. yeah. And also what I like about it is it's roasted pineapple rather mm. than that just that clean green pineapple yeah. that you can get. This is much more yellow. Mm. And in fact, more than yellow, it's almost virgin on amber yellow, isn't yeah. it? It's it's much more rich well, that, and that gorgeous. Thing people use what's that 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 thing you use in the kitchen like a little mini flamethrower when that is sort of uh you put mm. that over pineapple yeah. and it gives all that lovely intense yeah. smell that's mm. what i'm getting in the flavor yeah and it's dry it's not it's mm. not like a sweet um finish no at surprisingly all. so but very yeah dry exactly finish, yeah. so what would you what would you do with it well i think first of all i think what you said is absolutely right about you could just have this over ice as a non-alk which mm. i think is big tick but in terms of mixing yeah also agreeing with you i think the pineapple in that would work well with a, you know a, a little dash of rum you know yeah or hint. whiskey or something yeah. like that which yeah. would I think be really amazing well. so as you said they're 200 mils and we also have the new cans which are pink grapefruit crafted soda bright crisp fresh 
and low in calories. So that is the London Essence Co. Crafted Sodas. Look at our website and our Instagram feed for details. And now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts. Hi, my name is Michele Mariotti and I'm the head of Bar Gerangelin Eagles and here's my cocktail hack. When you make spritzes at home, always make sure to put the effervescent ingredient first and then pour the liquors on top. This way you won't have to mix the drink and you won't lose the carbonation. choice this week it's a very different one for us because a we haven't been for a little while but also because it was one of the first cocktail bars that we went to when we started the cocktail lovers i believe wasn't it back in the day back in the day the days of your i Mm, would say and yours (laughs) (laughs) and mine but it's the london cocktail club as it was known then it's now called the cocktail club because they've branched out from london but it was such it was one of the first bars. I, I must say, I still remember the first time we went in it because Walking it was so stairs. different and yeah. so welcoming and so brilliant, you know, that there'll always be a very special place in my heart for JJ, Andy Mill and the team behind yeah. the Covent Garden Cocktail as Club, it as it was yeah. called and, then. And, and I, like you, I can remember that really vividly because we were walking down the stairs. And it was a very, the original one was very small. Mm. It was absolutely packed, which could have put people off, could have put us off. But the bar team, particularly Andy at the time, they were so on it. Yeah, you, know, you were instantly welcomed. As and you soon knew your as drink you walked, yeah, as soon as you walking down the stairs, attitude. it was a high guys. So you yeah. felt that you were catered for. I almost thought he knew us, but he didn't. Yeah. It was just it's, the way that they were. It's their vibe. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah. was in two thousand and eight. Yeah. And the bar actually opened. JJ Goodman, who is one of the co-founders he was 24 at the time that he opened Good that Lord. bar God, and it was with like an underachiever well we, we we kind of are <laughs> in that way but he opened that bar with a friend called james hopkins mm-hmm. two friends he opened it with a loan from his mum yeah, yeah and now they have blossomed out into 16 venues i know not just mm. in london but around the uk yeah. i think they've got 10 I think 10 in in London and then they've got in Bristol, Exeter, Reading, Birmingham and Cardiff. Mm. So and the thing about London Cocktail Club or the Cocktail Club, as it's as Mm. it's called, it's about good times. What they want to do is just make sure you have the absolutely best time when you go out. Yeah, I think actually to your point, I was looking at their website earlier. And on the homepage of their website, this is what they say. And I'm going to read this to you. It says, Mm. welcome to the cocktail club where the party's off the hook and the bartenders are straight up legends. Leave your inhibitions at the door and get ready for mind blowing cocktails, epic vibes and permission to let loose. Open seven days a week with happy hour every day. No need to book. Just rock up. Everyone welcome. Always. It says it all. That's what they do. And, you know, it's that thing where the bartenders get up on the on the bar top. They ring the bell. They make sure that you are there for the party. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I think another thing that's worth saying is actually because we actually had JJ as a guest. Yeah, we did. I think it was in the first season. It, It certainly was in the first season. I think it was really early in the first season, maybe like 
third or so episode, something like that. And one of the things he shared, which I think is really interesting and probably a really good life lesson for people starting off in any career, but a lot of their creativity is born out of necessity. Mm. So, for instance, he was saying, well, we didn't want to buy a lot of fruit because if we didn't use the drinks with the fruit in, the fruit would go off and that's wasted money. So they started using jams. Mm. So they put a lot of jam in because it doesn't go off. So that became a thing. Similarly, when they did their version of an espresso martini, rather than having lots of pre-brewed espresso that might go to waste, they just used instant mm. coffee yeah there's so, tips there for everyone yeah so that was a necessity but it actually made gave them a personality which yes. i think really is an interesting point and they've never lost sight of that personality no. and i think whether you go to the bar in liverpool street or whether you go to the one in bristol you're going to have that same party atmosphere yeah. um they what they do really well i mean it's great for parties it's sort of happy hour 12 pounds for two drinks what's not to love yeah. about that Two for one cocktails every day with a different cocktail focused each day. So for Mondays, they have a porn star martini. Mm -hmm. Tuesday, it's espresso martini. Wednesday, mojitos, things like that. So they're really clever. They know what they're guests want. You know, I don't think what's been great about them, they haven't sort of veered too far away from their true origins right from the start because it can be so easy to get carried away with your success to want to do all of these different things but they've stayed really true to that and I think that's part of their their charm and also their success as well yeah they're now a publicly listed company actually so you know as I say bank loan from mum right through (laughs) right through to this I think mum must be very happy indeed and they have different styles of drinks you know so the menu includes the likes of trademark drinks so they describe those as fabulous famous and affordable (laughs) they have bartender's choice which is luxury refined and sexy they have theatre, which is naughty, flamboyant and fun. <laughs> and they also make sure that they have no and low. Mm, so they have some good ones in, in there. In the no and low, they've got pina con colada, Sicilian iced tea. You know, there's as much thought put into those as, as well as the other drinks. They also have, which I love, is a sort of what they call it, a happy meal. which is a bartender's breakfast of beer a shot and a daiquiri and it's only for people that work in hospitality so you know there's all of those little cheeky nods which i think are great and i think to your point i think that's picking up on a couple of the drinks i got excited about was because it's about good times they've got a big emphasis on sharing drinks and there was one drink that jumped at me you know for 10 people 10 people, <laughs> which was vodka, lychee, cassis, vanilla. But then you get a choice of the bubbles. So you can kind of go for like a Prosecco or if you're feeling fancy, you can go for a, a champagne. Bougie. But, you know, it, yeah, it's over to you. And I like that. Mm. And the other one, which I must mention, you said we haven't been back for a little while. Shame on us. We, we should do. Mm. But we should go back to try this. Their version of the espresso martini. Is garnished, and I love this, with an Oreo biscuit. Yeah. That's A, it's about (laughs) fun. It's fun, fun, yeah. B, hello, espresso martini and eating an (laughs) Oreo biscuit, I'm there. (laughs) It's great. And as we say, all of the 16 bars follow the same format. Good times, good vibes. In other words, 
P-A-R-T-Y. <laughs> and you can expect on the soundtrack, you expect everything from really good old, you know, R&B and hip hop right through to living on a prayer. So yeah, it's just absolutely. the best. So that's our pick for yeah. London, but also for the UK. Yeah. And it is the cocktail clubs have a look on our instagram feeds for some good times pictures and some of those cheeky cocktails the brand new issue of the cocktail lovers magazine is out now and it's all about going local our homage to the people bars and products supporting celebrating and championing their surrounding areas to get your print or digital issue simply visit thecocktaillovers.com slash magazine there are a lot of great new drinks books out and about, and we've been talking about many of them. But it's nice occasionally to look in the library and go back to yesteryear, which is exactly what I'm doing today with a book called London Gin, The Gin Craze by Thea Bennett. So again, London, London Gin. Mm. And I think those two things, London and gin, really are synonymous. They really they? are. I mean, you have your London dry gins and it is something that is very much inbuilt in London history or London drinking history. Yeah, London culture. Mm. Um, and this book, as I say, it's from yesteryear. It's uh, it's actually 10 years old, which surprised me when I sort of just checked it because we've had it in our library for so long. And I just mm. looked when it was published. Probably 10 years ago. In exactly, exactly <laughs> to the year it was published 10 years ago and obviously a lot has happened in the world of gin in the last 10 years mm. there's probably been about a million new brands launched yes um, but i think what stays relevant from the point of view of this book is there's a lot in it about history which you know is still absolutely as i say relevant it's a simple book i'll pass it over to you to have a look it's much more about the words and the pictures so there's a little bit of photography in there, a little bit of black and white photography, but it's more about the writing. And I think while I'm talking about the writing, it's worth saying, although I'm talking about history, it's not, what would I say? It's not like a tomb, not scholarly in the sense of it's not a dry history, mm. but it is clearly well researched. And it talks a lot about the history of gin. And I think that's fun. But I think to the point of it's not overly heavy, it's not like I feel I have to read it from page one to page whatever. Mm. I can just dip in because there are so many chapter headings and set pages that talk about the sort of the gin craze, the gin palaces, Madame Geneva, all those sort of buzzwords, evocative words that make you want to dip in. What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I get what you mean. It It feels, to me, it feels more like a, a sort of, school textbook yeah. in in a certain way yeah. because of the way that it is because it's a paperback also but also just some of the subject headlines and things like that it, it could be if you were studying your gin knowledge it like would be o, one o level the, gin yeah kind yeah. of yeah. it it feels like that you mm. know you've got sections on method of distillation and tasting notes and things like that and then the little box outs on did you know yeah so i like those sort I of things like those to be a lot, actually because you can just flick through and there's mm. loads of them just like little fun facts mm. I, I also did like particularly on the back cover where it is talking about stuff that made me want to look in so says more so i think this is one of the did you knows it said in 1837 mr gordon <laughs> provided six bottles of champagne to celebrate the engagement of his daughter to mr edward tanqueray ah. so that makes you want to find out a little bit more about mm. that relationship mm. yeah 
as I say, there's lots of chapters on the history side, but then coming up to, well, not up to date, but the other sections that are, there's some things about how to, so it's like how to make slow gin. There's some classic cocktail recipes. And I think it's just a, you know, if you know someone who likes gin, but they're not, you don't want to give them a crash course in a really heavy way. I think this is a great gift for someone just to, at Christmas, dip in, put your feet up and learn a little bit about, about that lovely spirit. The only thing that I would say, because yeah. it is 10 years old and they do sort of go by gin expressions. So you've got things of Tanqueray, you've got Broker's Gin, yeah. you've got Ransom. So it's not quite up to date. And no. I think in a way, sometimes that spoils things when they try to include, you know, the, the topical gin yes. in a way. Yeah, so, I think you're right there. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I just I, feel that that lets it down to a certain yeah, degree and because of the age. Fault. That's my no. fault for picking it. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it is though. I mean, I, I pick a book that's 10 years old. I can't. Mm. But you know, if the if Thea Bennett is listening, yeah, um, time for an update, I Thea. Think, <laughs> I think it would be really good, you know, to just bring to just to revise that sort of section at the back and yes. bring in some of the other gins. So I think that would be nice. It's technically out of print, but I was able to find loads of copies online. So if you do fancy it, you will definitely be able to find a copy. So as I say, I think it makes a great gift, and it is called London Gin: The Gin Craze by Thea Bennett. For two people who epitomise the true meaning of cocktail lovers, or more specifically, of the love of the people and places behind cocktails, look no further than Siobhan Payne and Hannah Sharman Cox. So passionate are they about the talent to be found in London and its many and varied bars that they set up the ambitious, much-lauded London Cocktail Week. Now in its 14th year, the format for what has become the biggest cocktail festival of its kind is the blueprint for the growing number of cocktail weeks around the world. With good reason, it's brilliant. Not just for cocktail-loving consumers, but bars and brands as well. Always evolving, always innovating, the duo have plenty of exciting things planned for this year's festival, which runs from the 12th to the 22nd of October which is what we'll be talking to them about today. And if that wasn't enough, we hear from them about their latest project, a Michelin star styled guide for bars, coming your way soon. Hannah, Siobhan, welcome to the Cocktail Lovers podcast. Ah, thank you so much for having us. We're so delighted to join you. Thank you. Always a pleasure to see your lovely, lovely faces. So, yeah, welcome. So, first of all, can we start with you, Hannah? So, can you take us right back to the beginning of when and why? Well, Gary, it's a very long story. (laughs) I'll pull up a chair. (laughs) Unbelievably, considering how youthful we all are, um, it was 14 years ago, so it was 2010, and... London was definitely really different. The cocktail scene was was different to now, but definitely had already kind of come up and was evolving into, into kind of what we see now. But really, the whole point of it and the whole thought process at the beginning is that we would create a trade event that people from all over the world would fly into London and see the really good work that 
London bars were doing. At, at the time, probably the only equivalent was Tales of the Cocktail. And Tales is a trade-only event in New Orleans. Thousands and thousands of people were going even then, actually, and, and certainly more so now. But that was kind of the only trade global get-together. And so we felt that there was space for that to happen in London because the quality of work that's happening here, the the like the credentials of the drinks that come from here, um, there was space for it. And increasingly, every, every year since, there's even more need for it, um, which we're glad about. But yeah, what, what started as a trade event actually became a consumer event very, very quickly because people love cocktails and they really love slightly less expensive cocktails. And they certainly loved being in our gang for the week. And that was always the plan that you'd you'd wear the wristband and if you were out and about and you saw other people wearing wristbands and clutching their guidebooks that you knew you were in a little clan with people and it was yeah it was real wasn't it and so yeah it became a consumer event really really quickly and 14 years later yeah we are the as you kindly said the OGs yeah we are it's so (laughs) nice because we have no ambition to run a cocktail week in any other city we truly believe you have to be local and you have to know your know your own town to do a really sterling job and know your own economy and your own your own bar culture so we don't want to do one anywhere else but we'd love to help all the others that set up so we often get phone calls yeah it was really nice this year we went over to Munich cocktail week their inaugural event um and saw what the guys over there were doing and it was really it was really lovely to kind of see how they'd used us as inspiration, but actually made some changes so that it fit their community better. And if we'd have gone over and just done Munich Cocktail Week, we wouldn't have had any idea about the nuances that required a little tweak to the to the programme. So it was really nice. And then in turn, we were inspired by the things that they're doing. And, we, you know, there's some little bits that we're bringing back that we realised when we were there, you know, have it seeing, you know, a smaller event, that actually we can bring some of those parts to our festival. So it's it's really a lovely community of Cocktail Week organisers globally. It's it's lovely. Where whereabouts? I mean, so you've just mentioned Munich. I think Florence follows your template as well. Do you know which other ones around the world are following something similar? To be honest, most of them do do follow the same thing yeah so like the the mix of brand activation and and cocktails in venues and that kind of we call them the self-exploratory and the curated cocktail tours is what is what we call them now um but most of them do that a lot of them we will not be running a cocktail village this year um we did that for a number of years and it was great but we felt it wasn't really the direction that we wanted to continue going in but that cocktail village element does still exist in quite a lot of the others. And again, if it's right for your city and that's and you need that reason to come together, great. But London is really busy and there's lots of opportunities to to put people into an event space um, that aren't that maybe don't resonate quite rightly with us at the moment. We want to be making sure that we're showcasing bars, bartenders, the craft, the creativity in their natural environment so that they can really show off their skills. When did you realise that it was a success? <laughs> um, you can big yourself up here. It's not us. It's not. <laughs> I know yeah, that it's not what you like. But you know what? There was, I mean, there's little moments, isn't there, when you you think, 
oh, that's, oh, wow, we're like dealing with something good here. Um, but I remember there was a couple that I can just think of the top, completely off the top of my head. One of them was, I think, 2011 or 12. And we had ha- created a partnership with Seven Dials. And that was the hub. It wasn't a village. It was it was little pop-ups in Seven Dials. We were much smaller in those days. Um, the partnership that created, uh, that we had created, part of that was to have overhead banners on the streets of Seven Dials. So Seven Dials is in Covent Garden. In Covent Garden in London, yes. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a lovely little area of Covent Garden with lots of little cobbled streets. And the area put up, banners over the street like big advertising banners and we we just the thought like oh wow it's really a big thing that we we branded the streets we must be we must be something and then the second one for me was when I think it was maybe 2013 or t- maybe also 2012 where we got a front cover feature on Time Out magazine and it oh, said yeah. it's time for London Cocktail Week and it had a picture of a cocktail that they'd kind of made to look like a clock and that was a massive moment because to be on the front cover of Time Out you know it's it's one of the most iconic what things to do magazines all over the world and London Cocktail Week the words London Cocktail Week were on the front cover and that was that was mega for us. 10 years was cool as well wasn't it we really oh, yeah. we really wanted to get to 10 years it felt like a real milestone to have had a business and to 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 care like you know I know we're telling you what you know, but we care so much about this and we care so much that it's still good work and still relevant and still fun for people, you know, and testament to that, we've got guests that have been coming since 2010 and they come every year and, you know, for us to keep evolving it and, you know, we really do care. So 10 years was like, oh, we're going to get there. And we got to have a lovely little party and talk to everybody for hours about how hard we'd worked. That was really fun. We had a little cry, didn't we? A cry. Oh, yes, I remember. That was lovely. We got matching tattoos on the on the t- we slipped away from the 10th anniversary party and got little like roman numeral 10s on our arms matching really so romantic <laughs> now we'll look forward to when you get your 20th tattoos so Coming we'll soon. be ca- counting down to that. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting as well because you've sort of said you know because it has been going so long and the, the format changes it evolves you learn you tweak all of that so can you talk us through how it is going to work this year what people can look forward to in terms how they sign up how they get involved and where they can go all sorts so this year, as Hannah mentioned earlier, we're really, really refocusing on the bars that are being involved. Um, so it was really important to us at the start of this year. For some reason, we just felt like we wanted to reaffirm our purpose, which is London Cocktail Week is a celebration of London's incredible cocktail culture. That's where the decision not to run the village comes in and actually the decision to really, really focus on the bars that we're working with. So the way that it works is that we've cherry-picked 200 of London's best bars um, that we believe are truly the best examples of cocktail bars in London. Um, And they will all be serving signature cocktails, at least one signature cocktail for £8 for people who have bought a wristband. And the wristbands cost £15. This year, it's very exciting. And this was actually something that we felt we were inspired by when we were in Munich Um, But this year, we are bringing back the London Cocktail Week guidebooks. Um, We've not had the guidebooks since probably 2014 or 15, um, as we move to a digital age. Um, But actually, we 
we thought this year if we're really, really celebrating the bars that we're working with, we wanted to create this little guide of the best bars in London and something that people can keep it all year round. Um, we worked out sustainable way, ways of doing that. And so this year, along with your guide, your wristband, you get a little London Cocktail Week guidebook, which shows you all the bars that are taking part. Now, London Cocktail Week aficionados will know that actually 200 bars is slightly less um, than we've had in the last few years. So last year we had maybe up to 350 bars. Um, but this year it felt important to us to actually reduce that number and to do that on purpose um, because, it, again, we really, really wanted to celebrate excellence and bars that their primary focus is cocktails. So we've worked out different ways to work with bars or restaurant bars who their focus is actually the food, but they do really fantastic cocktails. There's other ways in which they're involved. We've take, we've found different ways to work with bars where there's maybe an activity or a sport as the primary focus and they also serve cocktails. So those 200 bars are the epitome of excellent cocktail bars in London. And we feel very proud to recommend each and every one of those bars to our guests and our friends as well. So alongside the £8 signature cocktails in 200 of the very best bars in London, as an aside, there's also £6 non-alcoholic cocktails available in some bars and £12 champagne cocktails available in some bars. But alongside that element, which is called the curated cocktail tours, um, we have a full schedule of events, as always, fantastic dinners and parties and masterclasses. Um, we've added another layer this year called the Connoisseurs Collection. Oh, I've seen that. That's um, great. Yeah, it's really exciting. It's a way for us to work with bars who cannot facilitate the £8 signature cocktails. So we felt that if London Cocktail Week was truly going to be a celebration of London's incredible cocktail culture, which we believe is the best in the world still, um, we had to find a way in, to work with bars that simply could not serve a cocktail for £8, which is, you know, little hotel bars, that sort of thing, you know. Um, so, yeah, we've layered on the Connoisseurs Collection, which is for those who are real cocktail lovers. So, us, you, and <laughs> um, And they're really, really special experiences. So, some are ticketed events. So, um, for example, there's a special cocktail makaze at the Aubrey at the Mandarin Oriental. Um, there's a really incredible whiskey tasting at Sexy Fish, for example. And some are just opportunities to go to a bar and try something a little bit different. So, for example, the American Bar at the Savoy will be doing vintage daiquiris alongside a current recipe daiquiri. And you can go and you can have that serve um, at a set price point. So it's not about a discount. It's not about it's not about that side of it. It's about an unbelievable experience. And and also, as you said, you know, a lot of your guests have been coming for the whole 10 years or the whole 14 years rather. So it's nice for them to have different chances to experience different things in different bars in London. So it's a really amazing idea. What are you guys actually looking forward to? Where will we be able to spot you hanging out? Well, we've made a real pledge to make sure we are out and about and shaking hands. It's really easy, as I'm sure you can imagine, to get bogged down in the like, I've got to check my, got to check the emails, got to check everything's running smoothly. But actually, it's really important to us that we enjoy it. It's really, you know, we've bringing all these people in. There's there's something like fifty takeover shifts happening. So that's 
all of that's 50 different teams coming into London take over for one night somewhere. That's unbelievable. Like we want to see those people and say thank you. So yeah, we'll we'll be definitely be out and about at quite a few parties. We're also, this is terrifying, hosting our very own takeover. Oh yeah. <laughs> the first, this, the first, for the first time ever, we will be behind the bar on a Friday night. I don't know how we agreed to that one, but we're going to be behind the bar on a Friday night, serving a very short menu <laughs> of, you can either have a martini or a glass of champagne. Okay. Can't well, wait for that on, glass of champagne. But <laughs> how rude of you, Gary. I'll be having a martini. Um, I, I, will, I will put everyone's mind at rest that the martinis will be fully pre-batched by professionals. <laughs> <laughs> so you mean you're pouring drinks? Yes. We're mix- no, uh, excuse me. We're going to be mi- we're going to be stirring them with ice and pouring them in the glass. Okay, okay. And this is at um it's at Nobu, it isn't is, it? Yeah, at Nobu Portman Square on yeah. the 20th of um of October and our very dear friend Jake Berger is the headline DJ. This is one not to be missed. But also, Hannah, you were talking about the number of bars that are coming in from all over. We've got Sweden, we've got all sorts of things. Tell us tell us a bit more about these special guest shifts that you've got or some of them that you can remember. Well, so Takeover shifts are really um, cool at the moment. Everybody wants to do it. And it's nice. It builds community. It's, you know, bars have conversations between themselves. And thankfully, often brands facilitate that com- them coming over, which is great. Yeah, we've got tons. There's people coming from the States. Yacht Club. Mary and McLean are coming from Yacht Club, in, uh, which will be great. Um, there was a competition through Sexy Fish to win a takeover of their bar and it was only if you'd never done a UK London takeover before. And the winners are from Phoenix, Arizona. So they're coming over. Yeah, really. I mean, what a prize. Everything paid for. Oh, no. Unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable. The thing that I'm actually really excited about with regards to these guest shift takeovers is that this year, by a significant way, is the most UK takeovers that we've seen happen. So bars from around the UK come to London and do a tour. Ah, uh, yes. Our favourite so, passing fancies and things yeah, like that. Yeah, like passing fancies, Panda and Sons, Lab 22 have been down before, but they're coming back. We've hey, Palu. Hey, yeah, Hey, Palu. Um, there's loads. There's more than 20 coming down. Um, and that's, like I said, significantly more than we've ever seen, which we feel shows quite an exciting shift towards more celebration of bars outside of the capital. Um, So we've been really pleased to see all those come in every time. We're like, oh, another UK one. Yes. What do you put it down to, all of this happening, all of these events? Not just your brilliance, obviously, in curating the whole thing, but why this new interest in bars from around the UK and also from overseas wanting to be part of the London action? Oh, it's, I don't know, it's flattering, isn't it? It's so nice. Well, London... We say, we've even turned it into a bit of a catchphrase. Uh, Good. It's the cocktail capital of the world, still. It remains it. Um, Do you know what? Do you know what is fantastic about the hospitality industry and the cocktail bar industry particularly? Is that what a fantastic community we have globally. You know, if you're you're part of the world and you can become part of the world with, with some enthusiasm... You can go anywhere and you can meet someone that you know. And actually what 
after years of having to stay indoors, actually now people just love the chance to all be in a place where they know everywhere else is going to be and they can see their mates. You know, we, we'll be seeing seeing our friends from Arizona and seeing friends coming in from Italy and what a fantastic opportunity for people to all be in the same room together. So we're just creating a moment in the calendar for people to do that as 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 per lots of other shows around the world. BCB is happening just before us and lots of people are going to be in Berlin for that and 50 Best is happening around the same time and people will be going to Sing Ball for that. I think we're just a real social community and the opportunity to to all give each other a hug and a high five in person is really special. So we're we're privileged to be able to offer that opportunity to people. Yeah. Also, it's just briefly as well. It'd be nice to know. Uh, you've talked about things like the connoisseurs and the amazing people coming in to do guest shifts. What other kind of highlights can wristband wearers look forward to? Ooh, highlights. <laughs> Quite a lot of there's there's well we've got there's as always it's a really mixed bag, which is what's so brilliant. We laugh every time when things come in and we're like, really, this is. Baskets, candles. Yep, you can make basket, basket making with Maker's Mark. There's actually two lots of candle workshops, candles and cocktails. That's, um, there's lots of nice dinners with Meet the Maker. But for me, it's, it's the bars and the cocktail tours. And sometimes it's easy to look at the event schedule and think, oh, yeah, that event. And everyone will look at the event schedule and be pulled in by a different thing because there's hopefully something for everyone on there. Um, but for us, it's the bars serving the eight pound cocktails and what they're what they're putting forward. Yeah, the, the quality of of serves that are coming increase every year. It just goes up and up and up. I remember a few years ago, you know, we'd really have to wrangle with people to kind of to upweight and upskill the the drink they were putting forward. They kind of saw it as like, oh, that's a quick, easy crowd pleaser. And we're like, no, no, no. That's you're, if that's where you think this is, you're pitching this wrong. Like, we're so privileged. Our guests are cocktail lovers, cocktail connoisseurs. They truly are. And they want to see the creativity that's coming from the bar teams. And then they get to see it for £8, which is, you know, an unbelievable steal considering the prices in London at the moment. Cocktails is a lot. Um, if you're listening from overseas, it's a, it probably is... At like, least double that. At least double if not trips and cannot be more yes yeah. absolutely so yeah so but but the kind of the creativity that's coming forward like the the techniques that are being used even for a drink that's you know inverted commas the the risk back you know the the eight pound drink so so cheap but the creativity the work there's smoke bubbles foams airs you know we went somewhere the other day and we said oh can we try the drink and they said no because it's it's being lacto fermented and it's not ready and we're like Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's lovely. And it's, I, I think that's a little testament to the care that we've taken on the list this year and really getting that number down to those 200 bars that we believe really care enough to create something for those guests who will hopefully become regular customers. Mm. And the guests, you know, your listeners will know it's not really about the money. That's nice. It's nice that it's £8 for that week. But actually, it's the opportunity to go to a place that you've not been before, take that risk that you might not like it, take the risk that you might not like the liquid. But maybe you might like the liquid and it might become your fa- your new favourite. Or that bar might become your new favourite. And so if the bars can present themselves in the best possible way, then it kind of benefits everyone. It benefits the guests because they feel really pleased and they'll go back next week when it's their birthday. And it's good for the bars because they'll get those new customers. 
Yeah, it's a real time of discovery, I think, which is amazing. So what have you been proudest of in this whole time? I know that I asked about, you know, when did you know that it it was a success? But what have you been proudest of in your 13, 14 year journey? So quietly proud is the, for me, is the consistency. Like you've got, it's hard to keep caring as much as you need to for that amount of time. So that's that's a personal thing between us, I think. It's just the kind of quiet grit of turning up year after year. and try- even, even during the pandemic. They were low times. Um, but the proudest thing is our new shift – So one of the things when we had a conversation about what's the point of it and why are we doing it is that we really wanted to make sure that we were benefiting the bar community. And so while we're not quite there with official terminology just yet, what we have pledged and agreed to do is reinvest the profits from the festival back into the hospitality industry and the bar industry. That's a major shift for us. As it is now, the the drinks money stays with the, the bars that that make them, there's no cut taken, they keep 100% of that, that revenue. And over years, that's amalgamated and amalgamated. It's, it's millions now that's gone back into the nighttime economy through this, just through the wristband scheme. This year, on top of that, what we're also doing is if you, we're, we're giving all the bars the wristbands themselves and they can sell them, they can sell them and keep 100% of that revenue. So we've delivered them all in. They've, they've all got hundreds of them They're behind every bar. But that should then again put the same again back in because those wristbands are 15 quid. They keep 100% of it. Just stick a button on the till. So every time they're in a bar and they've got a really good customer. So not only will we, of course, we'll get new customers. And of course, those customers will discover, maybe they'll discover a new local if they're sitting in their favorite bar and they say, oh, do you know about this? And they've got a little book and they say, oh, you can, they can go over there. So there'll be, a, it adds to the discovery piece, of course, from our side, but the money and that like little bonus in this week. And the cocktail week's always really carefully placed to be just before silly season. But once you get into <laughs> Halloween and then... This is then the start. <laughs> exactly. But it was always designed to be in this bit of the year that's sort of a bit nothingy for for revenue, certainly for venues. So, yeah, so we're going to be... All that money stays with the bars and we're absolutely delighted about it. That's It's just the first step. We've got we've got kind of quite long-term plans for it and that will continue to grow and evolve and we'll announce as we can. But yeah, for us to to do that just felt like a real nice give back. Yeah, it's reinvigorated that passion that we have because we've got a renewed sense of purpose that every inch of success that the festival receives is something that we're giving back. Um, And that makes us feel really nice. It is. I mean, also, I mean, for everyone listening, you're you're clearly like working 26 hours a day all year on this. But somehow you've managed to find time, as Sandra said in the introduction, to be about to launch something else. So can you share with us a little bit about something called Pinnacle? Yes, we can. We'd be happy to, Gary. Thank you for for suggesting we talk about this. Um, So... It's been a long time coming. Um, 
About 18 months ago, we announced that we were launching something called the Pinnacle Guide, which the elevator pitch is that it's a Michelin-style recognition system for the bar industry in that it offers one, two, and three. We're calling them pins instead of stars, but one, two, or three. Three being the most excellent, one being still also very excellent. Um, Because the bar industry doesn't have that. And actually, often people are quite surprised. They're like, really? There's lots of recognition systems for bars that we think are fantastic. Um, and this is very different to that. So 18 months ago, we announced it to the trade um, and said that we were going to be entering in what we've called a consultancy phase, which essentially was us asking everyone for their opinion on the way that we plan to run it. The reason why we did that is because we believe that the Pinnacle Guide can be something fantastic for consumers and for bars. So it's an opportunity for bars to be recognised, but also a fantastic way for consumers to discover excellent places to drink all around the world. And we wanted to do that justice. And we felt that the two of us and our business partner, Dan Dove, who um, is our partner on this, and um, he has a company called Global Bartending Talent Agency, and that he they do lots of fantastic activations and immersive things, but they also a talent agency for bartenders, the first ever one. So ourselves and Dan Dove, we felt that it was important that we asked the industry what they thought. So we've been through that process now. Um, the way that it will work is that bars will apply to be part of it. So the similarities to Michelin kind of stop at that elevator pitch, actually. And the way that we've we've develop this is that bars will apply so that lots of bars all over the world have an opportunity to be considered and bars that we haven't necessarily heard of which might be very exciting um but that application process will be quite in depth because what we discovered we we knew it already but it's really reiterated it is that as well as judging excellence in the front of house so fantastic drinks beautiful ambiance gorgeous setting all of these sort of things that are obviously very important for the customer experience. What happens behind the scenes is also very important. And actually, it's very important for the customer experience as well, because customers really care about that. So how does that venue treat their staff? How does the venue consider the environment? What are the amazing techniques that are using behind the scenes that you might not see when you actually come and just taste their delicious cocktail? What's happening back there um, that we should be recognising and rewarding. And the way that we can achieve that is through an application process, which will be quite in-depth. Once the application process has happened, then obviously there will be in-person reviews by anonymous reviewers. And anyone can be a reviewer. You just have to be a, you have to be a, a bar and cocktail fan, um, but you don't have to be a professional. So, yeah. And actually, you know, your listeners are, are perfect people to be reviewers for us it's maybe we've been kind of saying it's maybe is it the best job in the world um to go around to to what we've already deemed <laughs> it's not but, too shabby it's not too bad right <laughs> so the start of november is when applications for both bars and reviewers is going to be opening that is a hard deadline we cannot move on we it. cannot move it we've written it in the diary now in so the start of November. Heard it here first. Folks. You actually Ages. have heard it here first. That that is an exclusive. So the first, the around the first week of of November, we'll be opening opening applications. And actually, those applications are probably relevant to anyone because your bar might either be something that we should consider, or you yourself might be someone we should consider to be a reviewer. And these are from anywhere around the world. So the bars can be anywhere, and the 
potential voters or judges can be from anywhere. Exactly. For the first year, we're focusing on some key some key countries just um, because we are working within our language barriers. So um, the information about the countries that we're focusing on are on the website. However, you can still apply and register your interest and we'll get to countries as soon as possible. So if if a lot of applications come in from a certain city then we'll obviously focus on that city quicker fast track um because the the ambition for this system is for it to be truly global and to be in all corners of the world so um but we just have to be realistic of what's possible so we're focusing on english speaking and spanish speaking markets just for the first Getting year because, yeah. Dan, because between so we're obviously english speakers as is dan but dan is bilingual spanish so it just felt like a, a comfortable place to start Wow, that's exciting. I mean, you'll just have finished London Cocktail Week and then you get... (laughs) (laughs) These women do not like easy lives, but the passion is there. We really like it. We just don't have it. (laughs) So this, we'll, we'll have details of this. So it will be the London Cocktail Week website is one thing, but then the other one will be the Pinnacle Guide, or will you have information as well on London Cocktail Week? You probably should cross-promote it, really. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but we'll, we'll, we'll have the details. Our brain, Sandra. It's one job only at the moment. We'll do that. Um, so we've got all the information about how people can get involved. and when it's So once you've got people involved from November, when... Do you think it's due to launch or you don't really know yet? Yeah. We'll we, keep it open. We've, we've, oh, you do? Are we going to announce that? Well, no. it depends. To be honest, it depends a little bit on the applications because we would, it, it certainly won't be until the start of next year. But we, as long as we get applications, it will certainly be. No one might want one. And then... <laughs> I think I think there'll be plenty of interest. But I think the best thing is to say people just keep checking your website for updates and, and information. We're doing that. We're getting there as soon as we can. We're doing our best. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell, that's incredible. I'm so, so excited, not just for London Cocktail Week and seeing you and also all of our fabulous friends from around the world and also meeting new people because it's about old people, not old, as in old people. <laughs> <laughs> We're or not maybe I'm just <laughs> but you know old famous faces and also fabulous new ones so thank you for bringing us all together with London Cocktail Week and also for the soon to be equally amazing pinnacle guide and I'm and I'm looking forward to you mixing us a martini oh. and pouring us some champagne that's in my diary already very thank very you. low expectations very it's gonna be great so for all the information please see londoncocktailweek.com for information and updates every day and then also follow the pinnacle guide as well the pinnacleguide.com for updates and also to see everything that's what this is all about because it's going to be truly amazing so once again you're the only guest we've had on twice by the way (laughs) thank you so much always a pleasure thanks thank you for listening to this episode of the cocktail lovers podcast we really hope you enjoyed it if you did please tell your friends 
and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. For more details on the people, places and products mentioned today, head over to our website, thecocktaillovers.com.